I'm Kevin Davis, and this is the Catholic Family Podcast, and we are very happy and honored to be joined by Father Carlos Borja, a very good friend of the show, good friend of mine. And today we're going to talk about ordinations, I suppose. And it's something that, that we've seen often, and I think that anyone who's paying attention to, you know, I guess, suppose a traditional Catholic world, they're paying attention to the steps to the priesthood, because what more do we need, of course, than more priests? But you obviously don't go from normal guy to priesthood, of course not. And so it takes several years, of course, and it takes several steps and several steps that go, you know, you know I, I suppose in the direction towards the priesthood until finally you get to subdeacon where you can't take, you can't really go backwards and then you go forwards until the priesthood. And Father Borja is here to describe to us what exactly that means because i think a lot of people see this they, they see these videos online oh this is the ordination of something you know it's the, the porter elector it's the acolyte it's subdeacon it's diaconate it's the priesthood but what does that mean and i and i think that I, i'm fortunate enough that i've been there and i've seen it so i understand it a little bit but i know that there are a lot of people who are just kind of like huh okay you know what does that mean and so father's here to explain to us kind of what each step is because I think I think that's really important if it's Mater Dei if it's if it's Bishop Sanborn if it's Bishop McGuire you're going to see these steps Bishop Bishop in Kamake in 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 um, Nigeria as well we've seen recently they've had steps to the subdeacon and diaconate so it's really important to understand what that means and, and hopefully father today can explain to us just kind of really the basics you know when we hear these words what does that mean? Porter, elector, acolyte, and subdeacon, deacon. So, Father, thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate it, and I know it's a it's an important topic. You are the 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 um, assistant. Where are you, Father? Yep, just an assistant out here at Mater Dei Seminary in in Iowa. So, so you're kind of alongside Bishop Piverunas. So, so you mm -hmm. you've dealt with these things for many years now, and so you you've kind of hopefully learn the ins and outs and you're going to have a little bit of help along the way. So, so father, what exactly? So, so let's just say hypothetically, I, okay, not me, I'm married. Let's say Joe Smith, Mr. Joe Smith says, I'm interested in the seminary. You know, maybe I have a calling. What does he do? You know, what, what's the, what's the first step I suppose that, that Mr. Joe Smith does when he contacts father Borja. So the thing is that there is, um, an admission process that we go through we uh have the so the applicant will usually reach out to us and we i you know we'll get to uh to know him a little bit ask some questions um have him uh write out just kind of a a curriculum vitae just a little short explanation of you know his life his education his background and then he'll um, submit an application um, for the seminary. Um, we require that a letter of recommendation be uh, submitted and any certificates like baptismal confirmation, uh, certificates, uh, marriage certificates of their parents be uh, submitted. And then re upon reviewing these uh, items, I present it to the bishop. Bishop will usually uh, invite them to come out and visit. And, uh, and then there'll be, uh, based upon that, I'll, um, uh, asked or just uh, be be admitted into the seminary. They'll get a letter of acceptance, and uh, and then they'll come and join us, and for for studies. And the you know from there, obviously, it's going to be a a years of studies, 
we usually do uh, between five and six years of, of studies from when the seminarian first begins um, to his or priestly ordination. But between that time, there's going to be uh, different uh, steps along the way that will uh, help prepare him for the different uh, duties that a priest uh, has uh, has upon his shoulders, the different responsibilities, different duties, and whatnot. So the the church is very wise in giving us several many steps along the way to help him prepare for that um, for that final uh, call to to the priesthood. And so, so Father, yeah, that, that makes sense, obviously. So if I, so, so first of all, I got to get accepted. I got to go to the seminary. I got to try it out. And, and I can say from my own experience, so I, I was there in Omaha for a couple of months and I said, yeah, it's, it's not for me. And so I left and, and I buy my, found my own vocation, got married, had children, et cetera. So, so someone who doesn't do that, they said, okay, they, they tried a couple of months. They said, okay, yeah, I think this could be my vocation. I think this, this might be it. Maybe God is calling me to be a priest. And so they stay, and I think that, correct me if I'm wrong, Father, I think if I remember right, one of the first steps is to to receive the cassock. Is, is that right? So you're kind of, when you're there, you, you give it a couple months, first of all, to see, okay, are you literally just here to see? Are you just here to give it a shot and to, to literally just learn what it's about? And then if you're kind of interested, you get the cassock. Is, is that kind of how it goes? So yes, the bishop, it, I mean, here at, this, at our particular seminary, it depends on when the uh, the seminarian will receive the cassock there's times where they may receive it um fairly shortly after they have entered other times it might be several months so it just that always depends upon the bishop and that's like i said our practice here i'm sure some different seminarians uh seminaries differ in the in their practice of when the seminarian would uh, receive uh, his cassock i i know that um the 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 aspect of any anyone who who comes and i mean they're able to a seminarian i mean he he's in the years that he comes he's able to if he realizes that it's not his vocation even if he's taken some of the minor orders um he's able to just to leave and any of the responsibilities and whatnot cease to 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 bind and there's no obligation for him to pursue the 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 clerical the the or the clerical life and that is where any time between uh, his entrance up to the subdiaconate uh, like i said a seminarian is free to leave um freely obviously without any uh obligations and without any, needing or having to pursue the clerical life so that is like i said there's that gap uh in, in several years between when it's seminarian interest to that point when like i said uh, the point of no return Sure, Father, and, and that that makes sense. And I I've known several people. I imagine other others have known others as well who've tried the seminary didn't work, and and so the first step, and at least that I remember, is the is the tonsure. And I, I think if I remember right, again, the tonsure is kind of what gives you the name of a cleric. Is again, Father, I'm I'm just guessing. So you got to kind of help me out as I go because that's how I remember it. So it's like if if you get tonsured, you get kind of parts of your hair cut off. That's when it's a little bit official that you're in the seminary, but it doesn't mean that you have to stay there. It doesn't mean, again, that you're subdiacon. It doesn't mean that you you can never get married. It just means kind of, it's a little more serious, I suppose. It's a little more like, okay, now you're actually in the seminary rather than just trying it out. Is that right? So the, the clerical tonsure, 
that is this the first of the seven steps towards the priesthood um, that a seminarian will receive or take. And the tonsure is not an actual uh, order. There's uh, what we have major orders and minor orders. And so tantra is not a not an order, but it's simply like a I consider it like an initiation into the clerical rank. So he becomes a cleric, he becomes a part of the clergy by means of the clerical tonsure. And there's no office, there's no spiritual power that is conferred uh, by tonsure. It's just simply a considered like a sacred rite uh, by which a layman is received into, or a seminarian is received into the clerical state. And the aspect of that, as you mentioned, you have your hair um, that is cut in the form of a cross. And that is a distinctive um, uh, mark uh, that, a that a seminarian has uh, resigned or renounced the world and has dedicated himself to the service of God. And they, you know, when you think of the clerical tonsure, there's, you know, think of the monastic tonsure where they have, you know, the band of of hair and the rest of it is shaved off. That would be, you know, considered, um, you know, a, a, a monastic tonsure. The clerical tonsure would be like a small um, uh, shaven part on the back of your head. Uh, here in the United States, that's not customary. Um, so, but it's just so we just simply, as a part of the ceremony have our hair cut in the form uh, of a cross. And as I mentioned, that is when a seminarian will become a part of, of the clergy and he becomes a cleric uh, by means of the clerical tonsure. And Father, then, does that does that change anything liturgically? I mean, I mean, again, it, to me, I mean, just purely as a, as a lay person, it means to me, it's like, okay, this is someone who's a little more serious about it, I, I, but I know that's not what it means. But it's just to me, it's like, oh, he's a cleric. Okay, he's actually taking this seriously rather than just trying it out, quote unquote. But I mean, liturgically or ecclesiastically, when he gets that that haircut, does that change anything? Can he can he do anything more? I suppose. Well, the thing is that so yes, I mean, there's in canon law um, special. Um, <clears throat> What's the word like special privileges that are given to those who are members of the of the clergy uh, and the aspect of, uh, for example, if if someone should lay like violent hands on a cleric, uh, there's, you know, excommunication, and whatnot. Um, there's uh, different different things in canon law that pertain to those who belong to the clerical state. But so the thing is that he the cleric now, someone who has been received into the, uh, has received the tantra, he would wear the surplus at mass and any liturgical function, he would be, uh, like I said, he would officially uh, be wearing the, the surplus. And that is why, for example, at the tantra ceremony, uh, the candidate presents himself uh, dressed in his cassock, but in his left arm, he'll have the surplus and he'll carry a burning candle in his in his right arm or in his right hand. And the uh, aspect of that, I mean, the when he is, so when he's having his hair cut, um, the bishop will say that the he'll say, or he'll have the candidate repeat after him, the Lord is the portion of my inheritance and of my cup. It is thou that will restore my inheritance to me. And when he receives the, um, 
the surplus, uh, the bishop will uh, say, may the Lord clothe thee with the new man who is created according to God in justice and true holiness. So that is the, the uh, like I said, the surplus that, that he receives there um, as a part of the, of the tonsure ceremony. No, that, that, that totally helps, Father. And, and, and again, that, that makes sense that to me, again, I see the difference of someone who's just trying and someone who's, okay, this is something I want to actually give it a shot at. And so so after that, so after they receive that tonsure and they're, they're saying, okay, I think this might be for me, but it's still nothing that is conclusive. It's nothing that is, you know, binding, I suppose. What's next? And so, so for a seminarian who's in the seminary now for, I, I guess that's the first question. How long does it take to get the tonsure typically? Two years. So they have to finish the two years of philosophy. And then after the end of the two years of philosophy is when um, they will receive the clerical tonsure. See, see Father, the, the church is, is just too wise. It's too, re it's, it's too wide. It, it makes too much <laughs> sense. It, it is, right? It's just like, that, that's too, too common sense. And it's, it's an amazing thing when we look at the church and how, how it works, it, it always makes sense. And that, that's, I love that about the church. I love that. It's like, that makes sense to me that it's like, okay, if you're considering this, if you're considering a vocation, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to give it a shot. And then after two years, you say, hey, I'm serious. Look, you know, I've tried this. I've, I've given the the days, you know, I've given the the years now. I've, I've tried the, the, the day after day of, of, you know, giving myself to God and, and you know, the, the, the chant and the, the prayers, et cetera. And after two years, that just makes sense to me. Father. I, I love that. I, I love that about the church that, that, that is practical. That it's like, okay, look, you've given it a shot. You're still serious. Okay. Next step. Now you're now, now you're going to get something. Now you're going to get the tonsure. Now, Hey, look, now it's a little more serious. And so, so father, then I guess the next question is after you get that tonsure, after two years, after philosophy, what comes next? So then after that, you have um, the the four minor orders um, that will take place throughout the next few years. So you have the minor order of um, uh, you, the, the Osteriate or the order of Porter. You have the Lectorate or the order of, of Reader or of Lector, the Exorcistate or the order of Exorcist, and the Acolytate or the order of Acolyte. And so you have these four minor orders that will be received um, within the next, like I said, uh, uh, the next year or two after having received the tonsure. And the minor orders are particularly uh, geared towards uh, giving responsibilities um, to the seminarian that will help him to fulfill the responsibilities that one is called to in, in the priesthood. And so they're, the, they're called minor orders because they're of lesser important importance and dignity when compared to the major orders, obviously. Um, so the thing is that the, you know, obviously it's a fitting preparation for the major orders and the it recalls the fact that the priest is the responsible guardian of the house of god and of the, all the functions that are performed in the house of god and so that's why the uh, in these minor orders there's like i said different offices that are given to the seminarian um, as he advances and he obviously at this point um only persons who have the intention of becoming priests 
um, are permitted to receive minor orders. You know, that's, that's you know, they obviously have to have that that mindset. Okay, yes, I believe this is what God's will is for me. Um, and the thing is that obviously during these this time in the seminary, the seminarian is going to be, like I said, his uh, his um, academic formation, um, his spiritual formation. Um, that's why he's going to you know be with uh, discerning his vocation. He's obviously praying and and having um, a spiritual director that he goes to for guidance and counsel uh, and whatnot. So there's, like I said, he's being guided along. Um, and as he's receiving these these steps and these uh, these minor orders there, these are preparing him for the priesthood. But the when you think about the 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 orders, there's different features um, that that um, in the actual right of the conferring of these minor orders. And I wanted to um, mention four of them. So you have the first thing, which is the call. And that is when the candidates are called by name to come forward. So they're called by, by their name and they respond adsum, which means I am present. And for those who are familiar with our seminary, that's the title of our uh, of our newsletter, newsletter, a monthly newsletter, uh, the Atsum. But like I said, that is what the uh, candidate, the seminarian, will mention at his uh, ordin at these different orders as he's called to receive these different orders. And this call just reminds the, the everyone that the promotion to an ecclesiastical office is something that has to come from an ecclesiastical superior. And it also is a reminder that no one is ever forced to accept such an office, um, but that, that seminarian is offering himself of his own free will. So you have the call of you know, the ecclesiastical superior, um, and then obviously it shows that he's doing it of his own free will. And so after, so you have the call, then you have what is known as the instruction, and it's in the rite of the ceremony, um, you're going to have different, um, sort of say, statements of the various duties of the order and point out the different obligations that arise from its reception. And then you have the third, the actual bestowal of the order, uh, which is considered the essential part of the rite. And it's going to consist for the minor orders, the, uh, the handing over of the, of, of the instruments. And for each one, they're going to have different things that are going to be presented uh, to the candidate. And obviously, so that with the accompanying words of the bishop, and then you have um, the prayer uh, for the ordained that they may faithfully discharge their, their duties of their office. So that is, uh, like I said, so you have the, the minor orders. And as I mentioned, there's four of them, uh, Porter, Lactor, Exorcist, and Acolyte. Uh, it's beautifully said, Father. I, I think the only questions I'd have then, is, I mean, so let's start with porter. I mean, when when you become a porter, what does that mean? What 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 do you uh, do? You receive different duties. Do you receive different honors? I mean, I don't know what the word is, but I mean, what what does that mean? Porter, elector, exorcist, acolyte. Maybe if you could take okay. me, each one and just say, okay, if I become a porter, me, Joe Smith, you know, I just I just got that from the bishop. I I I, I willingly accepted that. He gave it to me you know, in this rite, what does that mean? What am I as a porter elector? Sure. So as I mentioned, the, the 
the the the order of porter also known as the ostiariate um is derived from the latin word ostium which means door and so the the porters were the doorkeepers of the church and this was an office that was necessary during the times of persecution um, you needed reliable men to inform the faithful of the place in the time of divine services and they would open and lock the doors um, they would refuse admission to those uh, to undesirables um, and they would see that there was proper reverence and respect that was shown by the faithful during the liturgical functions and the you know this was obviously something that was necessary uh in in the times of in the early church in times of persecution but like i said that has this order has has um has been handed down to our time so that's so essentially he's like i said a doorkeeper and he is to to keep proper order um in the in uh, to make sure like the 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 doors are locked and unlocked um and that like i said that if anyone is is causing a disruption that they help take care of that uh etc so the porter during the ordination he will receive a key to the church um, by the bishop that is the uh, the bishop will present uh the the one of the keys of the church um, and he'll say as he's handing the keys he'll he'll tell them uh so act even as to give even as about to give an account to god of the things which are kept under these keys and then the 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 the, the uh, candidate will be taken by the um by he'll be conducted by one of the ministers um and he'll be conducted to the door of the church and so if you were watching the live stream this past um last week we had um I believe it was four or five seminarians that were uh that received uh, the minor order of porter and lector but there was a period where i was the one that led them to the door of the church can want you couldn't see it in the live stream but you saw that there was a period of time where bishop was waiting at the altar but i led them to the back they would lock and unlock the door of the church and then i led them up to the bell tower and they would ring the bell uh with one stroke mm -hmm. and then I led them back to the altar, but that is, like I said, a reminder of the of the obligation that they um, have received by becoming a porter. And so, from that, Father, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm just I'm just imagining the neighborhood. Like, oh man, here's here's more porters, you know, bong. <laughs> <laughs> it's I just one ring. There's more porters at modern day. Yeah, okay, this is a good. Yeah. <laughs> so, so with Porter, you usually become also a, a lector. At least I, I believe so. You usually become two at once. So, so what does that mean? I mean, That's again, my, my 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 little uh, right. So, so at least in, in Omaha, my my little mm -hmm. bit of Latin understands that that means something about reading, right? So, so what does it mean right. to become a lector? I suppose. Okay, so the word. Um, Lector is taken from the Latin word legere, which means, like you said, to read. So a lector is a reader. And the principal duty of the lector is to read the lessons of Holy Scripture uh, during the Mass of the Catechumen. So that was, um, you know, his his duty. And in the early church, he was, um, when especially when the pagans were desiring to embrace the Catholic faith and wanting to receive instructions in the Catholic doctrine, and uh, you know that they were you know anyone who was studying who wanted to become catholic were called catechumens they were studying the faith 
Um, and in ancient times, they were not allowed to assist at the whole mass, but they would leave, they would have to leave um, before the offertory. And so they would, until this time, they partook uh, with the baptized in the prayers and the instructions of the mass. Um, and these were obviously based upon uh, the readings taken from Holy Scripture. And um, then obviously it was the, the lector who would be the first to read the text. And the thing is that these man the manuscripts were not so easy to read as a modern book. So the um, words were not separated, the punctuation marks were not used, um, nor abbreviations made. So the reading therefore had to be carefully prepared um, in order to be done fluently, distinctly and correctly. So that was the, the, the duty of the, of the lector to make sure that that was prepared well. Um, and obviously in our, in our present time, uh, it is customary uh, for someone who is a lector that, um, for example, whenever we have a high mass here at the seminary, uh, the lector is able to read or to sing uh, the epistle during a simple high mass. Um, we know that obviously for a, a solemn high mass that's reserved to the subdeacon, but um, you know he is able to, like I said, at a simple high mass, um, read or sing the um, from the um, the epistle, and you can also, for example, on Holy Saturday, uh, help sing the the prophecies and whatnot. So that is, like I said, just his his duty was to be able to read and to uh, and to explain into um, especially Holy Scripture um, in particular. Well, and again, Father, it makes sense. I mean, it's it's something that just logically you need to take steps. You're not just starting as a cleric and then going, boom, you're a priest. I mean, you need to take steps. I mean, and it makes sense and just to, to start, as you say, not maybe in a high mass, but in a different mass, you're, you know, or in a, not in a solemn mass, in a high mass, you're, you're singing the, 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 mm -hmm. the epistle. It's almost kind of give you a little bit of confidence, right? It's kind of like, okay, here you go. You know, you're getting another step. You know, you're here's another step. Don't mess it up. You know, here you go. Here, here's a little something. And I mean, it, it's just, I love it. I, I love how the church gives us this and how they, they, she, I should say the church, you know, it, it, it is in, in an order. There, there is a hierarchy of it and in hierarchy makes so much sense. And in the world we see today, there's no hierarchy whatsoever. You're just supposed to be, you know, everyone's equal. Everything's good. You don't have to earn anything in the church. That's not so at all. You have to build yourself up into this point when you're a priest, and then I think Father McKenna said this, you know, even when you're a priest, that certainly doesn't mean that you're done. You still have to continue to to learn and to study and to to become what you have to become in the church. And but that that's a beautiful thing that you start with Porter Elector. You're, you're becoming this, you know, kind of going up the hierarchy and what you what you can become. And so, Father, next thing, and and, and, and before, and before, sorry, before going on, there, that's why there's different virtues that the you know the, that are highlighted as as a seminarian receives these orders and you know for in in just kind of backtracking just slightly in the aspect of for lector that's why you know when he is ordained he is given uh, either um, one of the book a book containing the lessons such as you know a missal a breviary or a bible um, that is that's how he receives that that minor order the, the bishop will give him that he'll the candidate will touch it with his right hand and the bishop will say receive and, and be readers of the word of god 
If you fulfill your office faithfully and profitably, yours will be the reward of those who have duly administered the word of God from the beginning. And that is, like I said, the uh, when he that's when he's receiving that that uh, that power that uh, that's of of the lectorate of 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 when he becomes a lector. So sorry yeah. about that. No, 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 no. Beautiful, Father, and, and and totally, it absolutely again makes sense that you're you're going upwards towards this, and and the church gives you this chance. So so as this goes on, your portal, your electorate, you still have a chance. You're still you're literally just trying it out. You're still trying to see is this my vocation? Should I be a priest? I, you still have the chance to get out. And so so what's right. next, Father? So at this point, so obviously they, you know, they 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 have their minds set that okay, I believe this is what God's doing me. So it's not like they're just like. Um, you know, it's just like okay, well, we're continuing. I believe this is God's will for me, and uh, you know, they're they're advancing. So the next step uh, is going to be um, when they become an exorcist, and obviously, we know that uh, to exorcise in 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 this sense means to drive out evil spirits in the name of God, and so it is that order by which a cleric receives such power over the evil spirits, and. So it so he his he receives that power, um, even though he may not be able to uh, exercise it um, in in the aspect of, for example, the exorcism of a person that's possessed by the devil um, requires special permission of the bishop. Um, there's other things that are required, especially that it be a, an older priest, etc. So even though he receives it, the power it's not like he's going to go and perform. A exorcism on a person right away um that's not that's not the mind of the church and that so, is not so it's, it's kind of validity validity and licitness sort of kind of right i mean in a way or validity and should you <laughs> type of a thing right you can, you can but can't should you yeah right and the thing is that i mean it's you you could try but it very likely is not going to be successful because you're going contrary to um you know what the church uh the mind of the church and what the church wants but so like i said he receives the um the 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 power uh to drive over evil spirits in in the name of god um that he uh that he he is able to obviously um help out in in the aspect that he so to the exorcist he he must see that there's for example always holy water um in the church uh, that's a sufficient quantity uh, because we know that holy water is not only used in functions uh it, liturgical functions but also by the faithful in their homes and especially to protect them against the evil spirit so that's one thing that they could especially help um uh to to see that there's sufficient holy water um it says also that the exorcist is to assist the faithful um in uh in in like i said encouraging them to to have recourse to uh to to this powerful sacramental and whatnot but like i said he the, he can also uh exercise uh, a place so i know that the custom here at our seminary is that the bishop would have the exorcists um give a, a simple um exorcism of of the property so they would go from from building to building and make a a, a simple exorcism um that was like i said something that the bishop would have them do um uh for those who were who were who were of the, in this minor order and so that is when he when the exorcist uh receives his office uh he is presented 
um, you know, a book of, of uh, the, usually a ritual uh, that contains the exorcism and heal uh, the exorcism prayers and, and the bishop will say, receive and commit to memory and have the power to lay your hands upon the possessed, uh, be they baptized or catechumens. And so that is, like I said, the, uh, the, the, the third minor order of, of uh, the, the third minor order that would be the minor order of, of, of exorcist. And I just want to comment real quick that anyone who's wondering, you know, I mean, the church has an order of exorcist and especially determined, you know, to, to bless holy water. So, I mean, so not, not, not bless, not bless holy water, not but bless, make sure that there's, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. Yeah. You said that father, you said that I, I'm sorry, yeah. not bless, not bless, but, but to, to be sure it's there. And, and, and that's just incredible because if you think about it, how important then is holy water? I mean, obviously, again, the holy water is going to be blessed by priests. I apologize. I said that wrong. But but that's incredible. I mean, again, this is something we talk about all the time in the show, how how the devil is there. The devil is is real. The, the, the battle between good and evil exists. Here we go. Exorcist. This is the third order, you know, this third step towards the priesthood, I should say. And it's so important that they you're there partly just to make sure the holy water is full. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, that, that's incredible. I mean, and I'd laugh at it, but but it, but it really is. I mean, how important is that then that you are there to make sure that the devil is kept at bay by holy water? So how important, anyone out there listening right now, go check your holy water fonts, your holy water bottles, and if they ain't full, you better talk to your exorcist. And if he's not there, then then go check on it yourself. Because I mean, that is, wow. And that, that's incredible. It really strikes me that, that whew, the devil's there, guys, and, 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 and we have few things to defeat him. Holy water is one of them. So, that, that boy, that, that just that kind of blows me away. It's incredible that that's the, one of the third steps towards the priesthood is, is a part of it is just to make sure we have holy water. So, Father, I, I guess moving onwards, um, so after exorcist, what happens? Okay, then you have the, so the last minor order, which is the uh, when they become an acolyte. And so that's going to be the last of the mi- in the highest of the minor orders. And uh, the term is derived from a Greek word, which means to follow or to serve. Um, so that is obviously the first, uh, the acolyte's foremost duty and privilege is to take care of the light necessary for the liturgical functions and to serve the water and the wine um, for, for the mass. So that is where back in the, in the early church, you know, for those who, you know, altar servers, I mean, you're, you're privileged to be able to be up at the altar. That before was uh, an, uh, something that was only uh, permitted for those who were of the minor order, who had the, who were acolytes of the actual minor order. And so now by privilege and by, you know, obviously by uh, the custom of the church, you're permitted, And but it, it's nevertheless still a great privilege for you to be up there. Because before, like I said, it was just the acolytes um, who were ordained acolytes that would be permitted uh, or who were the only ones that would be serving at the altar so that is where you know the acolytes in the early church obviously the times of persecution they were in the catacombs and so usually you know the divine services were held at nighttime and um they, it was necessary that some men be appointed to take care of making sure there's proper lighting and so that was like I said the the what the acolytes would do so after the persecution um, after the persecutions led up, the order was retained in the church. And because obviously we know that there's still extensive use of light 
um, the candles that are lit at mass. Um, and obviously there's deep significance behind, uh, behind light, behind candles. And, um, and nowadays, as I mentioned, uh, it, it, the acolytes would serve the mass, but nowadays, it, obviously it's impossible to have an ordained acolyte stationed at every church. And that's why, um, like I said, it, it is um, a great uh, privilege for, for uh, altar service to be able to serve at mass and to help with the lighting the candles and, and whatnot. But that's why when the acolyte would be ordained or when the acolyte is ordained um, and receives the order, he is given a, a candlestick by the bishop. So the bishop will present to the candidate a candlestick with an unlit candle. And he'll say, receive the candlestick and candle and know that it is your duty to light the lights of the church in the name of the Lord. And then he also would present him with an empty cruet and he will say, receive the cruet to minister wine and water for the sacrifice of the blood of Christ in the name of the Lord. And he, he would, like I said, the bishop would present these two items um, and, and to, to, to the candidate and he would receive that order of, of acolyte. I, and, and Father, I, I, I love ceremony. It's, I think it's part of why I love being Catholic. I love, I love that these things exist, that we are giving these responsibilities. We, again, not me, but I mean, the, the seminarians are giving these responsibilities of lighting the lights and to, to have the cruets. And, and I think that that's something that we, we kind of take for granted because I think in our world, everything is so kind of cheap and we don't have much ceremony and, and, you know, people look at England, you know, you know, London, you know, they have a king elected and it's got this big, crazy ceremony. And we all kind of like, OK, that's kind of silly and say, no, it's not silly. Yeah. OK. I mean, OK. Mm -hmm. Yeah. OK. That ceremony, maybe. But I mean, ceremony is not, you know, the, the ceremony, true ceremony, the ceremony of the church is incredible and it's beautiful and it's it's deep and profound. And in that, Father, exactly as you say, and I've been in altar service since I was seven years old. Thank goodness. And how fortunate are we? I mean, it's just incredible to think that we are blessed to to serve at the altar of God. And it, it's so true. And anyone watching this, I, I know many out there have served Mass to really think every time you're up there that this is a blessing that is beyond me. It really is. This should not be mine. It should not be my grace to be up here. It should be a seminarian, but I'm blessed because of the situation, because the church allows me to be, to be serving at the altar of God. I mean, it's incredible. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. And it, it's such a beautiful thing to be able to be part of and that we we at seven years old father are able to learn the responses to light the candles when it really should be reserved for someone who is in this in the seminary in his later years right but i would say that many a vocation is um born there at the altar so to say serving mass uh, i know for myself it, it's just uh, having uh, just a you know, when I first started serving and, and just even afterwards, just always having a great, um, uh, like, uh, I don't know what, what what the word is, like, always for that opportunity to, to, to help serve, to, you know, to, to be close up to the altar, to be close to the priest, to be as close to Christ as possible there on the present on the altar. Um, it's just definitely, like I said, for myself, very helpful in 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 that seat of my vocation just uh, serving mass frequently serving mass often um you know trying to serve mass devoutly trying to realize the great in in the great um joy that it that it is to be able to be up there to be that close 
Well, in, in, in mothers and fathers out there who, who have young boys, you know, make sure that they appreciate that, you know, make sure that they know how important it is and, and how, you know, how respectable I suppose it is and, and how special it is to be able to serve at the altar of God. And, and then if you do have altar servers, make sure that they understand how important it is to do a good job. Because again, absolutely, this is something that should be reserved for seminarians and little boys are up there, you know, because of the times and because the church allows it, of course, but that's a big responsibility and we need to respect that and, and understand. And, what and that's mean. why, you know, that's why their behavior outside of church should also be uh, something that, you know, that if they, they be, if they've been naughty, I mean, if they've been, if they're, if they're not good, I mean, that, that serving is a privilege. It's not something that they should be forced to do. It is something that they, um, you know, especially like I said, their, their personal life should reflect, you know, the, the, the the dignity of what they're of what they're of what they're involved in with with serving at the mass um like i said just even outside of church making sure their their um like i said their behavior is good and that they're they're taking seriously these these um this this privilege well i, I remember that father the first time i was at a at a um ordination back way back when 20 years ago now and i remember thinking acolyte i remember seeing it i think i saw it in the you know in the in the little you know the book that was prepared for this for the ceremony and i was like wow that's pretty interesting because i i never heard that before you know you don't really hear it until you're there for the ceremony it's like wow wait a seminarian becomes an acolyte and it really did strike me because i'd, I'd been a server for years already and i was like wow okay so they become that while I've been doing that for years. And it, it really is an incredible thing. And so, so father, okay. So, so they go from that, they go from being so that we've gone through Porter, Electra, Exorcist, Acolyte. And so now you reach the point of no return. And it is something that I, I've got a couple of friends from Austria who are seminarians now in, in, um, in Omaha or in Iowa. And they reached that point recently in, in the point of subdeacon. And when I say that it's the point of no return, what does that mean? So, so we, we as we get into this, so yeah, so the subdiaconate is considered the point of no return. So I'm going to touch upon that here. Um, I won't forget. But so we, so here we've gone through the four minor orders, and now we've gone. Now we're getting into the area known as the major orders. Um, so there are three major orders: the subdiaconate, the diaconate, and the priesthood. And they're called major or sacred orders because of their dignity. Um, and also because of their powers and their obligations. So there are um, two of these that are sacramental. So the diaconate and the priesthood, um, and they're sacramental in the, in the aspect that only these two orders imprint upon the soul, the indelible mark of the priesthood. Um, so I am not mentioning the consecration of a bishop as a special order because the Episcopal order is considered um, to be that of the priesthood in its highest perfection. Um, the bishop is vested with the full powers of the priesthood, um, et cetera. So we have the, so like I said, the major orders and the right of the conferring of these major orders is much more solemn uh, than that of minor orders. And so you have the same features. So you have the call, the instruction, the bestowal of the office and the prayer but there are going to be added to the major orders, more prayers and other ceremonies that are obviously in accordance with the nature of the respective order. So like we said, we get into the subdiaconate, the first of the major orders, and the subdiaconate signifies according to its word or to its name, the office which is under, so sub, 
being under um, or next to uh, that of the diaconate. So the court, according to the present practice of the church, the subdeacon, um, he assists the deacon at the altar for a solemn high mass. Um, and he sings the epistle during the solemn high mass. He is also able to wash uh, the sacred linens, which are used by the priest at mass. So the corporal, uh, the Paul, the purificator. Um, and he obviously is going to be at this point uh, making a total dedication of his life to God. So that is where um, he takes a, he, he makes a vow of, of celibacy. So that means that no longer will he, is he free uh, to leave and to get married. Uh, so he, for the rest of his life, um, like I said, has dedicated it to God and is not permitted uh, to enter into a, a valid marriage anymore. And he also will be bound to recite the divine office uh, to the end of his life. And so he has those, you know, those obligations um, that are that are given to him and that he freely takes, obviously, um, with the subdiacon. And this is when they begin to make their um, uh, their their profession of faith, uh, their oath against modernism, and uh, like I said, they 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 make their vow uh, and their oath of celibacy, and that is uh, like I said, uh, the the subdiaconate. So that stands between the minor orders and the sacramental orders, as I mentioned, diaconate and priesthood being uh, sacramental, and as subdiacon is not considered a sacrament because it does not imprint an indelible mark of the sacrament of holy orders, but it is considered a major order because of its dignity of the functions that are assigned to it at the solemn services of the church. And obviously also because of the obligations uh, attached to it. So the subdiaconate, as you mentioned, is a decisive step in the life of the cleric um, because up to this point, the anyone that has been um, ordained to the, any of the minor orders may step back and and follow and, and go back into the world and say i don't think this is for me um after this time of discernment and whatnot and um with my spiritual director and whatnot this is not a uh, step i want I, I believe god is calling me to so he may retire from the clerical state and go back uh into the world uh, so up to this point he's free to do that but once he becomes a subdeacon he assumes that obligation of observing perfect chastity in the unmarried state and of saying the divine office both uh, for life and uh, that is where the 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 subdeacon when he uh, when he is ordained he uh, there's we have during the the ceremony of the of 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 the subdiaconate, he is given a, a title, so to say. Uh, he is um, he's given a title upon which the candidate is to be ordained. So, for example, he can be ordained to you know back in the day to a particular um, uh, church, uh, to a particular if he was a, a member of a particular religious order uh, or whatnot. But in our day and age, the bishop uh, he the title he gives is that one is ordained. Uh, or to the title of, of of the mission. So that is where he will receive his sustenance from. That's who he will be, so to say, um, provided by is by is by the missions. 
Um, so that is what we mean. So there's by the title, it's a guarantee or security that the cleric is going to be given uh, decent support and that he will be, uh, in, like I said, originally it was, it was attached, designated to a church, uh, you know, the service of which entitled him to his support um, because the church did not want, the Holy Mother of the Church did not want uh, clerics to be in a situation where for the like, lack of livelihood, they would have to go uh, begging or have to work um, in, a, in something that is incompatible with the clerical state. So that is where this way the clerics would be able to devote themselves um, entirely and more freely to spiritual occupations. They would not need to be worried about their material concerns. So that is where they would, like I said, be ordained and be given uh, a title. So in our day and age, uh, like I said, the bishop will, um, the, will the title that he gives for, for us would be to the missions. Back in the day, we could have been for a diocese, as I mentioned, um, uh, to the service of a particular church. Uh, religious priests are ordained to the title of poverty or to the title of the common table. Um, so that's what we mean by, by that, by title. So that would be like the first thing he would be, seminary be called up um, to, to the altar by name. And then it would be, um, let those who are to be ordained subdeacons come forward uh, to be ordained um, upon the title of the missions, for example. And then the seminarian would say, Atsum, and he had come into the sanctuary and the bishop would say uh, a prayer. And then he would go ahead and begin the litany of the saints. So this is so, when you think about like the ceremony itself, you know, so they prostrate themselves on the ground and and then the ch chanting of the litany of the saints begins. So you're calling upon all of heaven um, to, you know, to intercede for these men who are being ordained subdeacons and to help them to fulfill their duties and their responsibilities well. So it, it's always a very touching and moving part of the ceremony when, you know, they prostrate themselves and, you know, they're, they're laying there on the ground with their with their with their head on their on their arm and and like I said the chanting of in the invocation of the saints during that time um, and then after that he they'll after the chanting is done they'll rise they'll I mean uh, they'll kneel and then there's uh, some prayers that are prayed uh, by the bishop and then he will bestow the office so what he'll do is that he'll present to the ordinand an empty chalice uh, with a patent. And so the seminarian, the, the ordinand will touch touch it in a way that he has his thumb on the cup and then his index finger upon uh, the patent. And then the bishop will say, behold what ministry is entrusted to you. Therefore I exhort you so to conduct yourselves as to be pleasing to God. And then, after that, he'll present them with uh, cruets that are filled with water and wine, and also uh, a basin and a towel. And all of these, like I said, the, the ordinand will, will touch um, as the bishop presents those uh, to him. And then he, the bishop will rise, and there, um, there's uh, some prayers. And then after the prayers, he will invest them with the... Uh, insignia of the office so he'll invest he'll put upon them uh, the amis uh, so the 
up to when they, so in the minor orders, whenever a seminarian would come, he would come in a cassock and surplus. But at, to this point, uh, for the subdiaconate, he'll come uh, with a hooded amos, he'll be vested uh, with the alb, uh, cincture, but he'll have draped over his, um, over his arm, uh, a tunic uh, and a maniple, which is what the bishop is going to invest him with. So he'll pull the hooded amos over their head and he'll say, receive the amos by which is signified moderation of speech. And he'll say in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, the subdeacon answers, amen. And then the bishop will put the maniple on the left arm and he'll say, receive the maniple by which are signified the fruits of good works in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Ghost. Um, so Deacon responds, Amen. And then he'll put the tunic over him. And the tunic is considered the official garb of a subdeacon. And he'll say, may the Lord clothe thee with the tunic of gladness and the garment of joy in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And then the subdeacon responds, Amen. And then finally, the bishop will present to the subdeacon the book of epistles, uh, which the subdeacon will touch with his uh, right hand. And the bishop will say, receive the book of epistles and have the power to read them in the Holy Church of God for the living as well as for the dead in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And then at this point, the subdeacon will be uh, directed to return um, to, to his place and then the bishop will continue the mass and one of the newly ordained clerics will read the epistle with the bishop uh, aloud with him um, so that is one of the things that uh, the one of the subdeacons will be chosen to do that and uh, recite the epistle after uh, the ordination of the, to the subdiaconate yeah does that make sense yeah yeah totally father no no absolutely and i think it's a I remember I, I we watched the uh, or part I, I was I had to go to work but I watched part of the last um, ordinations on the YouTube channel um, because there are two friends of mine and 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 it was something that I, even on the live stream so you have this you know overhead shot you know on YouTube and when they laid down for the litany of the saints it was like this feeling of like okay yep oh there it is you know that, that this is a big deal this is this is when it gets serious and that's it, it, I think it's a really good point that that's when you know it's like okay this now now they're in it now they're really in it now they're invoking the saints they're laying down they're subjecting themselves in humility and um and i remember too and again when i was in omaha that, that uh, it was this after after the ceremony you'd have to call them reverend mister so i remember mm -hmm. father Heine is the one i always remember because he was for a long time he was of course he was johannes you know and mm -hmm. he, he got the subdiaconate and then he was reverend mr Heine, and that was like whoa okay you know that's a big deal. And I think it's an interesting thing that how the world works and that's a whole nother topic, but, but how, how we think with language, you know, how words change the way we view things and how we see and how we respect someone differently when we use language differently. So when I called him Johannes, of course there was still some respect, you know, I mean, because I knew, okay, I'm a boy, he's a, he's an adult seminarian, but then when it changed to, reverend mr heine it was boom that's different this is a change this is something i have to treat him differently with more respect and even as a young young high schooler boy i i did and i think that's 
again, it's, it's, it's the brilliance of the church, and it, it shows you how practical things are. They even change how you call them because you should. And that's something that anyone watching this, you should. Absolutely. You absolutely should. If they are subdeacons or deacons, don't call them by their first name. And I think that's really important. And I think that's important for, again, it's a whole other topic, but I think it's a whole another issue when you talk, start talking about someone a generation above you. You should call them Mr. and Mrs. You shouldn't call them by their first name. This is a, There's an important aspect to that in our culture and how we think and how we give respect and how respect should be given. And that's really a big deal. And when I see children, you know, my, my, my kid's age, and they start calling me Kevin, and it's like, okay, for me, I don't care. I don't need to be called Mr. Davis, but it matters. It matters. And it matters that I call now my, my friends, I call them Reverend Mr. I, they're, and they're my friends. I, I've known them for years now. And, I, and they're much younger than me, <laughs> much younger. It matters that I call them Reverend Mr., not their first name. And that's something that's really important, I think. And I'm, I'm sure, Father, you probably agree. Yes. And I think that since both of them, just kind of a side note, I, I'm glad you brought that, that up. But as a side note, I think that um, since they're both Reverend Mr. Trauner, if so that there's avoid confusion, you might just say Reverend Mr. Franz Trauner or Reverend Mr. Right. Leopold Trauner, just for the sake of uh, distinction. But right. I, I have to say, you know, in, in regards to, you know, the changing of name and whatnot, I, I remember when I, just kind of a side note, when I first became a priest, my dad of all people was the was the first one he was the best in remembering okay it's father now and he you know he was always like awesome. hey it's father <laughs> so i was like okay sure. he, he like correcting my siblings and whatnot but he was always he was very good about um <laughs> he was like like i said right away he's like oh he 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 made sure so i respect that greatly it, but it it really does and that that's a really awesome thing that really matters it really these things, mm -hmm. these are things that we just kind of brush aside. Yeah, okay, yeah, but I knew him as, sure, I, I knew you as, of course, I knew you as Carlos way before I knew you as father, right? Way before. I mean, I knew mm -hmm. you as a, as, yeah. a, as a young boy, but that actually, that really matters, and it matters in not just the respect that I show you in, in front of other people, the, the, the respect I show you for myself. Because it, it shows you the respect I showed to the priesthood, the respect I showed to God. I mean, and these things really do matter, and I think everyone listening it, these things really matter don't call them franz and leopold really uh, really no more it's done that is gone forever forever that is indelible that is on them forever because they have given themselves to that point they've said i have passed the point of no return no matter what even if they determine they're not going to be priests which they could still could of course they are still forever reverend mister because they have given themselves to that to that you know that vocation and we need to give that to them too and respect that no matter what we got to respect that for them and no matter what a priest does i think that's a really important issue too that i mean even if even if a priest is a bad priest right i mean it's kind of like in the military right you know if a, if you're in the military and your your general is a bad general or a captain's a bad captain you still say captain and general you you owe that respect to that position because that is what they are you owe that to it and if you don't there it goes. There goes respect. There goes, you know, what, what they have, have, what the position earns, even if the person doesn't always earn it. But so father, okay. So, so we've gotten a subdeacon. So, so I, I we got two more steps. We're already at one hour. It, 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 this is really no. fascinating. Um, so how, what's next? So they've crossed the point of, of no return. What happens after subdeacon? So after subdeacon, the next step is going to be the diaconate. 
and that is going to be the lowest order of the ecclesiastical hierarchy in the aspect of the lowest of the sacramental orders. And so this, with the diaconate, it is considered uh, a true sacrament, and it imprints an indelible mark uh, upon the soul of the recipient. So the deacon is going to partake of the priesthood insofar as he is the assistant of the priest and the bishop. And, you know, in the early church, the deacons have always, in, in even in the, in the history of the church, deacons have always held an important place in the church. Um, their duties in ancient times were manifold. They would assist the priest at the sacrifice of the mass. Uh, they would distribute Holy Communion. Uh, they would read the gospel. They would preach and instruct the people. Um, they would exercise certain supervision over the faithful and together with priests assisted the bishop uh, in ecclesiastical courts. They had the charge of the poor and the sick. You think of St. Lawrence. Um, they would administer the revenues of the church. Um, so in ancient times, like I said, they, they, they had quite a few um, functions, but at the present time, the functions of the deacon are going to be mainly to assist the priest at a solemn, at solemn liturgical functions. Um, and so he uh, also is, is going to have the ability to uh, to baptize. Uh, he's going to also have the, the the ability to preach, and also to distribute holy communion. Um, so that is, like I said, uh, he can baptize, preach, and distribute communion as a deacon. And it is, uh, like I said, you can as we're going along, you can see how okay different responsibilities that are being given um, by the church. And so the, uh, so for the rite of the deacon, uh, the ceremonial rite, you have what is known as the postulation. And that is where uh, the, one of the sacred ministers, one of the ministers uh, requests the bishop in the name of the church to perform uh, the, uh, the ordination. And so he'll be, uh, the, the subdeacon will be called up to the altar by name. And then the the postulation, like I said, where the uh, this is considered the public expression of the, the anxious desire of the church that worthy ministers of the altar be ordained um, so that the obviously the public worship of God be continued um, and the mission of Christ for the salvation of souls is carried on. So in this postulation, the the one of the ministers will address the bishop. Um, requesting that the subdeacons here present be ordained to deaconship and then the bishop will ask do you know them to be worthy and then the response will be as far as i know excuse me as far as human frailty allows i know and i testify that they are worthy of the charge of this office and then the bishop will respond dio gracias and um then he'll um begin with a um, consultation of the people, so to say. So the bishop will address, um, so to say, the clergy and the people with the following announcement. He'll say, by the help of God um, and our Savior Jesus Christ, we choose the subdeacons here present for the order of deaconship. If anyone has anything against them, let him confidently come forward and speak in the presence of God and for the sake of God. However, let him be mindful of his condition. And at this point, the bishop will pause and see if anyone has any objections, so to say. Um, so there's a moment of, uh, of, of, there's a pause, 
and then the bishop will continue uh, with the with an instruction that he addresses to to the ordinands. Um, so, uh, like I said, up to this point, we had the postulation. We had what is known as the scrutiny, where the bishop makes the inquiry as to the worthiness of the candidates, and then the consultation of the people. Um, and then he'll, like I said, go into the um, into the instruction. And after the instruction, he will give, um, there will be the chanting of the litany of the saints, again, for this uh, order. So the, there'll be the chanting of the litany of the saints. And then afterwards, the, um, there'll be a few, um, a few prayers. And then there is what is known. Um, so then there's the practice um, that, is, that is going to be said by the bishop. And in the preface, we have the um, we have what is the um, let me just double check here. So he goes into the uh, preface, and then the bestowal of the office. And with the bestowal of the office, the ordinance will go up to the altar and kneel before the bishop, and then the bishop will lay his right hand on each one, um, on, on the head of, of, of each one that comes up, and you'll say, receive the Holy Spirit unto power and to resist the devil and his temptations in the name of the Lord. And then so each one that is being ordained will come up, and the, and the bishop will say that individually. Um, he'll, like I said, impose his hands, and that this is the... Uh, essential right uh, by which the order of sacramental character is conferred. So it's it symbolizes the communication of the supernatural grace and power through the Holy Spirit and um, or Holy Ghost. And like I said, at that moment when he puts his hand and says that prayer is when they uh, become uh, deacons. And then after that, um, he'll finish the, the preface and then he'll uh, give them the uh, insignia of their office. So he'll, at this point, they have come uh, with the um, with the uh, maniple. They've come vested. Obviously, they have their amice, their alb, cincture, um, their I believe their maniple. And at this point, he will uh, give them the stole. So he'll which they have over their, their arm that has the dalmatic. So they have came with a dalmatic and a stole on their uh, left arm. So he'll take the stole and he'll put it on them. He'll go, it's, it's crossed. So not like the priest wears a stole, but it's, um, it goes across. And he'll say, receive the white stole from the hand of God. Fulfill thy ministry, for God is powerful to increase his grace unto thee, who lives and reigns forever and ever. And then the, the deacon will answer amen. And then the bishop will take the dalmatic from his, from his left arm and he'll put it over him. And he'll say, may the Lord clothe thee with the garment of salvation and the vesture of gladness. And may the dalmatic of justice ever encompass thee in the name of the Lord. And the deacon responds, amen. And then the bishop will present the book of gospels uh, to him. And he'll say, receive the power to read the gospel and the church of God, both for the living and for the dead, in the name of the Lord. The deacon will say, amen. And then there'll be um, 
some few prayers um, and then they'll be told to return to their uh, places. But then one of the newly ordained deacons will read the gospel uh, aloud with the bishop. So obviously um, there are different times at which the orders are conferred. So just to kind of um, backtrack, so I believe the minor orders are given after the uh, Gloria. Um, and I, I, I had it written, I had it here, but I, um, so for the tonsure, it is given, um, so on, so for the tonsure, just kind of overall on, on days, if the mass has Gloria, it would be after the Kyrie. If the mass has no Gloria, it'd be after the introit. So that's for tonsure. And then for the minor orders, that would be after the um, the minor orders would be given after the um, after the Gloria. And if the mass has no Gloria, it'd be after the Kyrie. Uh, the subdiaconate would be uh, right before the epistle. And then the diaconate would be um, after the epistle. And um, and like, like I said, that's why the, the, so the subdeacon would be able to read the epistle and then the deacon would be able to read the gospel um, with, with the bishop. So It's something when you go to these ceremonies in Omaha or I'm sure elsewhere and you have several different steps, it's like, uh this is going on forever yeah. <laughs> it really can go on forever. Like, but it's something though father i mean and, and, and it and really can especially if it has different steps but mm -hmm. it, it's incredible if you get to witness especially subdiaconate onwards i mean of, of course the ordination of a priest but if you if it's subdiaconate yeah. or diaconate it's an incredible experience because and i know i've, I've been blessed to experience many of these that when you go to these there's something ancient about them. The, the ceremonies are just, they feel ancient. They feel older even than the mass. To me, this is just purely my 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 feeling of it. it. It feels so old. It feels like I am in the catacombs somehow. I don't know if it's the language. I don't know if it's the prayers. There's something that feels ancient to me. It's like these, someone's getting the diaconate. It's like, Wow, this could be St. Stephen. These are the same prayers. It just it feels like that to me. And it's incredible. And it's and, and you get these chants and you get you get the in-between. You have the especially when you have the sisters chanting these different prayers. And it's just like, wow. I, I can't recommend anyone enough that you go and witness one of these ceremonies because I'm telling you right now, you're gonna feel more Catholic. You're gonna feel more in tuned to the entire history of the church than any time otherwise. Maybe Holy Week. I suppose Holy Week is the closest. But other than Holy Week, oh, it's just incredible. It's just, there's something well, about it that it, it's something else. And you think about it, I mean, that just like, as you mentioned, kind of the solemnity and whatnot. But you see also, I mean, when you think about the Catholic priesthood, you can consider that to be, so to say, the heart of the church is the Catholic yeah. priesthood. So that's why ordination should always be something that are very, very near and dear to, to any Catholic's heart. Because it's something that obviously... Uh, you, it is through the priesthood that the work of Christ is continued here upon this earth. 
um, the salvation, the sanctification, the salvation of souls, um, the preaching of the gospel, etc. So it's something that, like I should said, should be near and dear to the hearts of Catholics, and they should, uh, you know, support their seminarians, their seminaries, um, you know, encourage them and whatnot, and, and attend, especially by attending. I mean, that is what a greater way to show your 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 support and your encouragement by attending these ceremonies. But, um, you know, one thing is to be to explain it, but it's another thing to actually be there in person. Um, you know, for for the ordination of a priesthood, you can, it's, you know, one of one of the more beautiful things that you, 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 you will see. And to explain it does, just doesn't do it justice. You have to go and see it for yourself. And it's just something so touching, so powerful, and so moving uh, to experience. Oh, it's so true, Father. And I think it's, it's, it's funny when you think about it. You know, you look at the world and you look at how they, they try to, to copy that. You know, that you, you have, look at, look at Harry Potter or Star Wars or Lord of the Rings or anything. And I like Lord of the Rings. But I mean, all these different things, they try to, they try to copy this you know, this beauty, but depth and, and intricacy and right, you know, these rights, you know, these things that are connected to God and these things that are, you know, I don't know what the right word is for it, but, but they, they try to copy that. And, and I think the world wants to latch on to that. Why do you think so many people like say Harry Potter? You know, because, Oh, there's mystery and there's magic and there's all these different things. And it's like, well, guys, this exists. Like, actually, this actually exists. Like this actually happens. Like, like, the bishop goes up there and actually confirms these things. You know, you know, you know gives these things to these men. It, it actually happens. You can actually, after the ordination of a priest, you can go up there and get a special blessing from a young priest who just got ordained. That is something that you can never get the rest of his life, maybe the rest of yours. That's incredible, and it, it's an incredible experience. That again, I think the world searches for, and and we have it. We have it. It's 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 here. We we have the church gives us this. And the church gives us the priesthood and, and gives us these these incredible rites of ceremony that are they're impactful. They, they, they will if you go to these. I, I seriously I don't care where you are. If you, if it's Nigeria, if it's Omaha, if it's Pennsylvania, go to one of these ceremonies, and I guarantee you, you're going to be absolutely impacted, and you're going to say, "Wow." That's our faith. That's the faith, not just our faith. That's the faith that has lasted for generations from Christ. Ah, oh, it's mm. beautiful. It's it's incredible. And I know, Father, we could we could get into the priesthood, but I think we'll save that for another for another um, podcast because because I think that's a whole. It's worth a podcast because I think you couldn't mm. you can't you can't do the priesthood in 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 two minutes. I think, but but I, we'll, we'll 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 save that because I think that that's something that is worthwhile for an entire podcast of its own. Because of course. That is the the true step, you know, the, the true, you know, the, the true, I guess, suppose glorious step. But just these steps towards that, they're incredible. They're incredible. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, even the even the minor orders, and yeah, sure, these men could could leave and they could decide that, that it's not their vocation. But the steps themselves, the these ceremonies are beautiful. They're beautiful. They're 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 almost perfect, and I, I love it. I, I I can't recommend it enough. Absolutely. And the thing is that you see, like I said uh, at the beginning, there's the wisdom of the church and the, you know, to to expect a, a young man uh, who's pursuing the priesthood to all of a sudden uh, take upon his shoulders those responsibilities uh, is asking a lot. And that's why the church gives these gradual steps to, to help him in a system so that he is able to 
uh, be a good uh, and a holy priest and to be able to fulfill his his work well and his responsibilities. So that's why little by little, it's given and done uh, by the church. And you see the goodness and the wisdom of the church. And obviously, um, you know, we, 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 we shouldn't be surprised because obviously, um, you know, the, the church has a divine founder and, um, you know, in our Lord, um, like I said, provided for, for our needs and he knew, knew us well. And he, um, has, has, has ordained these things to, to, uh, to in their proper order. And has given us the church to, to, you know, provide and to, and to also, uh, put into enact and put into place the things that, uh, will help, uh, to fulfill the mission of the church. Absolutely. Father, I, I greatly appreciate it. I think it's been very eye-opening um, to me, hopefully to everyone else as well. Again, if you can get to one of these ordinations, do it. And please support these young men. Um, pray for them especially. Pray for priests. Pray for more priests. Pray for bishops. Pray for all these different things that we need. Of, of course, as we see the world go on and crumble around us, the thing we need most is the sacraments and you know the, the, the these incredible priests. Who, I was just talking to my wife today about how what these priests do. And we, we, I think it was someone mentioned on Facebook, I think something that, you know, some of the, the, the incredible routes these priests drive, you know, say, like, okay, you know, Oh yeah, he came here for, he, he was in Minnesota for, for midnight mass and then came back to Omaha for, for the next day. It's just, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. it, it's, we need more of it that there are more souls crying out. We see what's going on in Rome right now. So we know I father, I'm sure you agree with me. There are going to be more and more souls who are saying, Hey, this isn't it. This isn't it. That Rome, for Leo, it's not it. That's not the answer. It's not the Catholic Church. We need something else, and they're going to look for true Catholic priests. So please, everyone, pray for Catholic priests. Pray for their vocations. Pray for their pray for their strength. Because of, of course, after they receive the sacrament, they get the grace of the sacrament, but they still need help, like 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 married people as well, right? They get that grace, but they need help too. So pray for the priests. Pray for more priests. Pray for more vocations, sisters, brothers, everything else that that we we're going to need desperately in the days to come. Because I tell you right now, the crazier the world gets, the crazier the world gets, the more vocations we're going to have. Because that's how God works. Because people are going to start seeing the answer is not in the world. The answer is in eternity, and that's what that's where it's at. So we need we need prayers for everybody. Pray for Father Borja. Please, please pray for the ceremony. The, the ceremony, the seminary. <laughs> Father. How do people support the seminary um, monetarily? I know, first of all, of course, the prayers are absolutely first. Pray for Bishop Piperunas. Pray for all the priests. How mm -hmm. do they support it? If someone wants to give a little bit of money, I know you guys are are short on space. You get a little bit of you. You could use a little bit of room, a couple more beds, perhaps. Um, how do, how do they support you? Well, you can just go to matradayseminary.org, uh, and there's a donate page, and there's. Uh, we have just a PayPal a button that you can press, and you know if someone wants to make a one-time donation, you can do so there. You can also do a recurring donation as well, um, and that is going to be the simplest, the easiest way that we have set up for online donations. Otherwise, anyone can send in a check um, or whatnot to uh, to the seminary, and that also would um, you know get get to us and 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 help out. So perfect moderndayseminary.org. Father Borja, I, I hope to have you on to talk about the priesthood sometime too. I think that would be a great podcast to, to, to describe that next step because I think we're, we were getting there, but I think we need to save that for another podcast and Absolutely. discuss what exactly that means. And and um, really, the, the, the really I, I think you did a great job explaining what actually happens. What, is the, what does the bishop actually do? And I, I'm looking forward to that for the priesthood as well. We'll do that in another podcast. Everyone, please like, support, comment, 
share all that stuff so that people can get to hear these, these, you know, these topics and these podcasts and so that we can create more. Father Borja, I greatly appreciate it. Until next time, God bless you. God bless you too.